from Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour as we uh, head on into our 25th year on the air and head most importantly, on into the season of Lent. Indeed, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we're rejoicing and glad to welcome Father Michael Kiernan to our studio, but we will be doing it by phone today. Father, good day to you. Uh, good day to you, Bob, and to all listeners, and uh, a blessed time of uh, renewal and uh, new life uh, lying before us now as we today. And today, indeed, is Ash Wednesday. Um, some people out there in the world will say it's also Saint Valentine's Day. My goodness, what a what a what a uh, conjunction of events! Yes, I was reading a lovely article the other day, uh, uh, saying how appropriate that is in the sense that uh, uh, love is truly understood, and yep. as you yourself know, Bob, being a a husband and father, uh, and anybody else who truly des- desires to love involves sacrifice. Right. And obviously, Lent is about uh, sacrifice, and Ash Wednesday begins uh, today, this new time of uh, penance, uh, sacrifice, uh, giving, uh, and so on, which, as we know, in any relationship, whether it's the marital relationship or family or uh, priesting or any other thing that you uh, try to do, uh, we know the Lord himself uh, uh, fights his life on the cross for us. And so love is um, is a very tight end. It seems like almost um, uh, strange that it just happened that way to have Valentine's and, uh, uh, and Ash Wednesday the same day. But I, particularly dealing with a couple that I know now who's where the husband is uh, uh, very serious uh, health issues with cancer and mm-hmm. so on. They're off uh, getting treatments for him. And so talking to them and talking to the wife, you know, about the challenge that is and having to leave your home for to go away to get the treatments and so on. Uh, so that's all sacrifice and all true love. And uh, in fact, she would say that it's because of the sacrament of marriage gives her the strength and him the strength to love each other and be there for each other, whether it's happy Valentine's Day or whether it's Ash Wednesday. But in a sense, it all uh, comes together in giving and uh, serving. Yeah, when I when I think of those two holidays together, you know, when I first saw it, I kind of chuckled. And then I, and I thought, well, God's got a sense of humor and then it, it really kind of came upon me that how a beautiful juxtaposition this is, you know, the, the coordination of these two. Because, you're, you're, I mean, the, the sacrifice on the cross, uh, Jesus's life, uh, giving us the Eucharist, everything is the ultimate act of love. Yeah, and I wonder if sometimes, you know, we think of love as well, I can get out of this thing, you know, I'm in love with this person or I have this great friend or whatever it is. Well, if I'm selfish, I think of love as what's in it for me. But in fact, and there's a certain amount of that too, of course, as you know yourself, 
uh, when we love, we regain, we gain enormous benefits and blessings. But if, uh, but sometimes in the secular understanding of love, it's uh, the the sacrificial and mm-hmm. the pain and the, uh, you know dealing with uh, difficulties and so on. Uh, don't want to hear about that. Uh, and I'm out of here if uh, there's yep. too much of that. Yep. I was in it. Uh, uh, all the good stuff that was going to come to me. So that I think is an unfortunate understanding of love that is certainly very different from the Christian understanding that we are blessed to have, which of course is not easy always for us to live out because uh, sacrifice and patience and all that is uh, uh, charity and kindness and so on. Uh, some days it's easier to do than others. Yeah, some days it, not it, so. Easy. Go ahead. Yeah, it, 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 it's and it's sacrificial love, very definitely, and and when you we, and you, you you just you look at Jesus on the cross not complaining actually uh you know telling the thief he will be uh, with him in paradise that on this day and then saying forgive them father not like stop this father don't let this happen to me this is wrong he's saying forgive them father for they know not what they do wow it's 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 be, it's beyond belief but it's what we believe and it's what's true well indeed and of course if that could be the reality in the world that we could all come to that in to some extent at least you know it's hard to have it fully only the saints and so on great people i'm sure there are many people we know that do it but not all of us can do it but certainly to do it in some way and to have the aspiration to do it and to know the importance of it and the beauty of it, uh, that certainly would uh, change the world uh, for us individually, collectively. Absolutely. And and in our family, uh, February 14th, we've got a third thing going on. It's the birthday of our firstborn. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So it's just like, wow. (laughs) It's like. Yeah. Well, that's a... You have a big day today, then, and on Ash Wednesday between uh, your uh, uh, Valentine and loving your your wife, and then your children, and then your firstborn. And oh my gosh, uh, uh, you need a whole day to do that. I know. I'm I know. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to work, get up, but, uh, get up hurry real up early and stay up, <laughs> stay up late. And his name, his name. It's it's really interesting. Uh, named him Theodore. I have no idea why we, I always like the name Ted, you know, we don't have a Theodore in the family, but Ted, you know, the proper name for Ted is Theodore. And I remember when he was born calling my parents and my mom said, Oh, you named him after me. And I said, what, what are you, what are you talking about? And she said, Theodore, it means gift of God. And I said, yeah, but your name's not Theodore. And she said, yeah, my name's Dorothy. Dorothy, which means gift of God. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Complete accidental coincidence. And of course, with God, there are no coincidences, but <laughs> it's... Uh, well, you have a father then of faith as well, a grandmother there that knew uh, yep. that and was able to apply that to uh, uh, the situation there as gift of God, that's that's a beautiful thing. And if more of us could see names and all of these other things as <laughs> gifts from God, uh, 
and God working, as you say, no accidents, but God working in our lives uh, in every situation, uh, that would be a great blessing. Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, Father, uh, you're a native of, of Ireland, the old sod. Um, you're not the old sod, but the old sod. <laughs> uh, yeah. Talk about Lent when you were a child, when you were growing up, when you were going to seminary, and, 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 and Lent today. Has it, has it changed? I mean, our, 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 our faith always, it doesn't change with the times, but it's always there as the times change. Yeah, I think I can remember, you know, a very serious attitude towards uh, uh, Lent and people giving up this or that, whatever. Now, mind you, we weren't that wealthy in uh, the old sod, as you say, uh, back then and the uh, 50 years ago or more. Uh, very wealthy country now, Ireland, but not then. And so, in a way, it wasn't like people were living in the lap of luxury and were giving up all these uh, fancy meals and all sorts of comforts. Uh, life was, was uh, pretty uh, normal and uh, not too uh, splashy for, for people. Uh, but certainly there was a commitment to, uh, you know, the events of uh, of Lent. And uh, because at that time people were very serious about church and so mm -hmm. on, more so than in Ireland today. And uh, so there was... Uh, the various events, but I'm not sure that uh, it's changed. Well, certainly, as you say, the structure of it hasn't changed. Now, uh, I grew up, uh, you know, I was really, my, my best remembrances are of the years of the 60s. I was in the 50s, but mostly the 60s come back to me and then so on. And, of course, at that particular time, the uh, Vatican II uh, Council had just right. uh, kicked in where and so the structure of length that we have now uh, uh, of, um, uh, for instance, the uh, the Easter services, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the, the Holy Saturday night and the uh, then Easter Sunday. Now, Easter Sunday hasn't changed very much, but certainly uh, the renewal of the church uh, of having, you know, the Easter vigil and all of that, the RCIA, the Rite of Christian Initiation, there wasn't much of that. It used to be sort of an individual, mm -hmm. it was a famous book called Father Smith Instructs Jackson. Mm -hmm. And it was an individual thing where if you were interested in coming into the church, you'd come into Father Smith and he would sit down with you for several sessions and work with you and you're brought into the church and so on. But uh, of course today we have a little different system for that. But in general, uh, the, uh, the people of course, in Ireland generally, there's more tea than coffee, mm -hmm. and Irishmen not to have uh, lots of milk in his tea no, or right, coffee right. Uh, is just no good. So sometimes you almost think they drink tea with their milk <laughs> instead of <laughs> yeah. tea. But then during that, that was a big sacrifice to give up the milk and the sugar. Mm -hmm. And I father, he would be spoonful after spoonful of sugar when he'd be uh, setting up his tea. But in Lent, no. Uh, no sugar, no uh, uh, milk. And so what we might think today, you know, a lot of people drink their coffee black. I'm sure maybe you do. And that's the way it is. <coughs> but if you uh, were used to these other things in it, 
then to drink it back was just a real sacrifice. Sure. So that's just one small thing. Uh, and then people went to uh, church, probably tried to go to church more often. But I think that's still uh, a little bit of a reality, I would say, that any of the parishes. Uh, uh, now, today, of course, Ash Wednesday, they're going to be overrun. Right. But even tomorrow and the next day and the regular days, uh, and even, I would hope, uh, during Sundays, uh, because back then, everybody went to church. Uh, some would say that it was uh, a real faith uh, experience that all the people were going to church. But uh, some would look back now and say that maybe it was more cultural than it was mm-hmm. the real faith. Mm-hmm. And that I must say that the people who uh, go to church today or observe Lent or whatever it is, um, you know, every Sunday or whatever all people do, like people like yourself, it's it's purely a great choice because of your faith and you love the Eucharist and so on and so on. So I think uh, today, um, and again with the challenges in society, you have to go more against the grain than back then where sort of everything was that way. I mean, right. I remember Friday in uh, Ireland, the, the TV just shut his, his nationally owned TV at that time. And of course, there wasn't all the stuff we have anyway today with modern TV stuff. So everything was shut down. Mm-hmm. And shut down and you name it it was a good friday was a nothing day uh, just uh sure. in, all march off to church at either 12 or 3 in our local community for some particular reason it was three i think it was maybe the priest had to do a service another place earlier but anyway we would uh i can remember uh stopping work you know two or so and you see some people everybody walked the distances then and here they are walking off, and so that's a sign to us that better hustle up and get over there to church because uh, 3 o'clock will be here soon. <laughs> so you wash up, where you go. I, I, I remember being in Waterford and ordering, uh, it was either coffee or tea. It came with milk. You had to ask for it black. <laughs> it was like, and you were really got a kind of a, a funny look if you said, I want it black. Well, like, what's the matter with you? Um, who is this Philistine uh, fellow? Where did he come from? Uh, <laughs> everybody in the world knows that coffee is to be, our tea is to be with lots of milk. And for most people who are sensible, lots of sugar. Lots well. of sugar, absolutely. And, uh, this guy, <laughs> he's an American. Well, he's sort of different too, you know. And they brought up the bed well. We'll tolerate that. You know, he's not from here. He doesn't know any better. So. No. The, the, thing, the thing I always enjoyed uh, about being in Ireland uh, with people we'd meet, they refer to us, and, and I was probably in my mid-30s or something at the time, they referred you, to you as lad. They just called you lad, you know. Yes. It was, very, yes. It was a very charming, familiar sound, you know, lad. Like, like no matter where you were from in the States or what you were, you were a Yankee. Oh, oh, they, they definitely called us Yanks. Very yeah, Yankees yeah. are here. They're having Yankees over at the Smith's house, <laughs> whatever yeah, it would yeah, be. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In fact, the, the the places where we'd stay, which were generally with families, um, the uh, that's that that would happen. They would have a they would have a big dinner party and come meet the Yanks. You know, like. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah. uh, an interesting. Uh, uh, 
thing I remember one time we had some Yankees who visited and you know, the tradition here of uh, bring your own bottle. Yeah. I, I don't think they had that or have it now. And so if you were visiting there, you'd bring your bottle of whiskey mm-hmm. and you'd come to my house and you'd share some whiskey and we'd have a drink and stuff. And then you pick up your bottle of whiskey and what's left of it, uh, half of it or three quarters of it, depending on how much we use. And then you go on to visit the right. next <laughs> house you're in, you bring your bottle and stuff. And they just kind of kicked out of that because they didn't, they thought that was the strangest thing, you know, for to see this guy, he's uh, uh, hauling his bottle of whiskey or whatever it is <laughs> with him from one house to another. And uh, so I, I can remember that happening and, and people looking at it with, uh, you know, people like to drink over in Ireland and always did, but uh, couldn't afford that much either. So they were tickled to see uh, you show up with this big bottle of whiskey. <laughs> That's great. You know, I, I remember going to uh, public schools growing up in a very small town at the time, and uh, we didn't have a Catholic school. And we, uh, my dad would tell we, we and we're just a handful of, we were probably, five percent of the population of the of the town or of the school and i mean we we all knew who the other catholics were in the school because we all went to catechism on saturday morning so we would see no matter if you were in kindergarten or eighth grade we we all knew who each other were and my dad would always say you know in lent because everybody in the school knew you were catholic and knew you were had to give something up for Lent. You know, you're an eight-year-old, and you're going off to third-grade class, and on Ash Wednesday, they would, in addition to seeing the, the ashes on your forehead, they would say, what are you giving up for Lent? You know, like a Hershey bar or, you know, a soda pop or uh, shooting baskets after school or whatever it was, you know. And he says, your yeah. friends are going to watch you like a hawk your non-Catholic friends are going to watch you like a hawk to see if you fulfill that pledge. And he was right. Well, that's sure. And that was a big thing also, giving up chocolate or giving up uh, something. And, of course, the more you like something, then the more, the the better it was that you gave it up. There was something you didn't do too much uh, and so on. So, yeah, it was just... uh, reading something the other day along those lines that um, uh, when you mentioned about uh, showing uh, uh, I was reading where this uh, man was uh, telling how for many years he uh, would get the ashes of course like everybody else did but he would sometimes uh, even clean his face before he mm-hmm. uh, got out of, the, out of the restroom and take a paper towel and wipe off the ashes and so on uh, he, for one reason or another, didn't uh, want to be in a situation where people were noticing uh, his, uh, you know, his ashes and therefore his Catholic and all that. So he was uh, doing that for a long time until he had a son who had Down syndrome. Mm. And obviously a Down syndrome child is is very obvious. And so there's no way for to hide that you're Down syndrome with all the consequences that that has and so on and people noticing you and some people being very gracious and some not so gracious and so on. So anyway, he said, when my son then obviously would display his uh, Down syndrome, I thought, well, duh, what's wrong here? I mean, I'm, I'm afraid to 
to show my, my ashes on Ash Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So he said, I changed my mind. And now he said, I, I uh, leave it on all day. And also it uh, becomes uh, not only for oneself, uh, a reality check, of course, of mortality and life and death and uh, dependence on God, as we all know. But I think it can become, uh, in a very good way, a little bit of a, an evangelization. And mm-hmm. uh, some people might laugh at you and say, oh, what's that silly thing you got? What happened to your face? Or uh, you didn't wash your face this morning, Bob. What's right. going on here? Right. Uh, mind or something? Uh, or whatever. But you, you um, could be saying, oh, no, I'll tell you. If you want to know, I'll tell you why this thing is on my face. And you notice it's in the form of a cross, sort of, and uh, so on, so on. Uh, you probably heard of Ash Wednesday, and this is Ash Wednesday, and so I have this, and so on, so on. And you never know. It might be 20 people whom you'd encounter who either laugh at you or think it's, or even when you experience it, and think, oh, it's silly. Oh, but you might get one or two who say, well, gee, you know, that's, that's a beautiful thing. And if you mm-hmm. do that, and the people all over the place go and do that, and uh, take it very seriously. And even though I'm not a believer, I can understand now that you're telling me about it. Uh, see, that's such that's, that's a very tactile, clear way of, of dealing with life and seeing all, I mean, you could go on all day about uh, the ashes and what it means. And I would know. be willing to bet that there's a very high number of people, not high percentage, but a high number of people that we don't even know about that that their first introduction to the Catholic faith was seeing ashes on somebody's forehead, you know, mm-hmm. in, a, in, in a public setting. Maybe they went to work, maybe they went to school, uh, something like that. Uh, maybe you saw somebody on TV. You'll, if you watch the TV on Ash Wednesday, like watch the news or a press conference or something, you'll see people with ashes where somebody actually, that was their first introduction and it led to a conversion. I, I'll bet there are a number of people that that, that, that happened to. It, it is a, a, a subtle or maybe not so subtle evangelization because it is so different. I I remember a charming story out of the state of Utah where a little boy went to school, a Catholic boy, he was maybe seven, eight years old, went to, went to school, public school, and obviously a heavily Mormon area, but I don't think that really had much to do with the story. But And he had the ashes on his forehead, and the, the teacher told him to go in the bathroom and, and wipe that off your head. And in, indeed he did, but then the story got out, and then it became sort of this, um, uh, I guess, not really angry, but it became a, a, a big issue in this little town. And the school board stepped in, all Mormon, and said, even though it was not a Mormon school, and said, you know, we really believe in freedom of religion. We as Mormons, looking at our history in this country, believe in freedom of religion in a very big way. Uh, and they invited the deacon to come to the school and re, you know, ash the child, you know, bless the child. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and allow the child to sort of explain as he would, or maybe the deacon explain as they would, what this was about. It was a really 
it was a really beautiful story, you know, that started out not very beautiful and t- turned out pretty darn beautiful. Well, yes, and of course, what a, a great thing that people come out in such uh, large numbers. Uh, I know I'll be uh, always very involved. I know Ash Wednesday is going to be one of my this is my busiest one of my busiest days because, uh, like on Ash Wednesday, I have um, the ashes out of the flight line at Beale Air Force, uh-huh. which is just out there in one of the hangars. And those who come, come. And then we have a, there's the Protestant Chapel, which is not too far from the, but that comes at a different time later on. And then uh, at the Catholic Chapel, I have a uh, 11.30 Mass and uh, 5.30 Mass. Mm-hmm. And people come to ashes, and it's designed, of course, to, uh, to uh, make sure that there's time for everybody. But I know that in the parish churches, uh, Particularly in the uh, cathedral today, uh, I mean, people are going to be going all day looking for um, uh, for ashes, whether it's in the various times that are set up. Uh, but there's always somebody who begs that you know because of their profession or health issue or whatever it is, that they can't come at right. the mass time. But they want their uh, and so. And then, of course, the beauty of it also is that. Uh, there's no questions at all on uh, uh, on receiving ashes. You could be, you know, you could be the greatest saint, or you may be the greatest sinner in town, but nobody knows anyway. Uh, you just march up there for your ashes, and you get your ashes uh, uh, regardless of uh, age or culture or uh, whatever. Uh, right. Maybe you go to church all the time. Maybe you don't. But uh, here you are on Ash Wednesday, and uh, uh, God help us priests if we don't provide it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it doesn't have to be part of a mass. Uh, of course, you know, at, uh, Bishop Soto at, at the Capitol Steps this morning. Um, yes, yes. As he does every year. Yes, that's a beautiful uh, action by the bishop. And and then, uh, of course, there's uh, services uh, at the cathedral. There's mass, but there's also a sort of a liturgy of the word service uh, with a deacon. Uh, but as I say, we don't even uh, turn down people who, uh, you know, they come into the parish office and somebody will come into the secretary an hour from now or whatever and, and say, oh, I didn't get my ashes mm-hmm. and so on, so on. My car broke down or I was sick or I had a doctor, whatever. But could I get ashes? And so there's an arrangement there to help that individual person with a little prayer. And um, and I'll get that all day at the base too, where somebody will say that because no matter what times you put on, uh, it's not enough in the mm-hmm. emergency situations or work problems or whatever. So it's a beautiful thing. I was just reading, uh, as we start the uh, uh, time of uh, Ash, Ash Wednesday and Lent, uh, just reading a beautiful couple of things from uh, Pope St. Leo the Great, who's mm-hmm. one of my favorite writers. Uh, he says, Dear friends, at every moment the earth is full of the mercy of God, and nature itself is a lesson for all of us. What mm. the Christian should be doing at all times should be done with greater care and devotion so that the Lenten fast joined by the apostles may be fulfilled. And then he goes on to talk about uh, the holy and spiritual uh, blessing of fasting mm. and also of giving. 
Now, uh, during uh, a couple of weeks, I think it is, we'll have the annual Catholic Appeal. Right. So that'll be a wonderful opportunity for almsgiving, though I know our people are very generous in other ways. But uh, he says that this embraces the beauty of mercy uh, so that the good intentions of all the faithful may be of equal value even where their means are not. Isn't that great? Because yeah. sometimes people feel, you know, well, I can't do much. I don't have much of the world's goods. But uh, Joe there or Peter or whoever, he has tons of money. He can give it. But the great uh, Pope is saying that it doesn't matter. He said, uh, the works of mercy are innumer innumerable. Their very variety brings this advantage to all who are true Christians, that in the matter of almsgiving, not only the rich and affluent, but also those of average means and the poor are able to play their part. Hmm. Those who are unequal in their capacity to give can be equal in the love within their hearts. Isn't that great? That's beautiful. That, and we were talking, what, about 1890s or something, Pope Leo? Yeah, further back, maybe in the, yeah, a couple of centuries before that, yeah, Pope Leo the Great, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you might be thinking of the 13th. But oh, I'm, I'm thinking the, the 13th. Uh, yeah, the Rerum Novarum. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so this is a man earlier than that. But uh, but that's a beautiful thing. And that uh, then, uh, you know, uh, that prayer, fasting, and almsgiving are the pivotal part of what we do uh, in, uh, in this day, in this season starting today. Uh, so hopefully for our people then... Uh, uh, God bless you all and hope that, um, you know, you'll be able to uh, uh, devote yourself more fully, all of us, to prayer, whether it be going to Mass. Uh, a lot of places have stations on a Friday evening, and some places have a, a little meal, a little simple dinner mm -hmm. in the parishes. That's a beautiful thing because it brings people together, not only to uh, do the stations, but also to uh, uh, to. Uh, have a meal together and share fellowship and community and be the body of Christ. Then, of course, there's a fasting, which is written in sort of by the laws of fast and abstinence, but everybody can do their own thing as they wish to. You may be able to do more than somebody else because of your health and maybe less because of your health, but what everyone can do, uh, no great obligation apart from the normal things. And um, so then uh, the... Uh, an almsgiving, uh, generally speaking, if we're not uh, concerned for helping those less fortunate, uh, then we're missing a great opportunity, like the great Pope said. Yeah, and, uh, the fasting meaning one thing, and abstinence, you know, the abstinence from, from meat and could be from other things as well. Um, but, uh, I, of course, you and I grew up with uh, uh, every Friday, uh, not just during Lent, but every Friday was uh, a meatless day. And it's, it's interesting to me because even in the public school back then, when, when I was in school, uh, the cafeteria on Fridays, they did not serve meat. It was, it was a wonderful accommodation. You know, I mean, it wasn't like we were <laughs> suffering with our macaroni and cheese and, and our friends were eating burgers and pizza and hot dogs, uh, they, they were getting tuna casserole too. It was, wow. yeah, I was, I, I, looking back on it, I think that's very, that's very interesting. Uh, maybe this, maybe this, the school lunch person was a Catholic. I don't know. 
Yeah, yeah, well, it was a beautiful thing, and uh, uh, we need more of that. And But hopefully we can create an environment of that with our own families. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, today, uh, the societal uh, help or pressure, whatever you want to call it, that we had then is, is not there. And so you might be doing something even that people think is strange. But again, um, very important part to uh, be strong in our faith and to uh, use things, things, things. I think we don't have to impose on others or proselytize or uh, push people. But on the other hand, to uh, live our faith is a beautiful thing. And hopefully during Lent term, you know, all the parishes, I think all the parishes now, nearly everyone, have uh, reconciliation services. Yes. And yeah. amazing, but uh, we do notice as priests that they're pretty, pretty big in many parishes in Advent, but they're quite a bit bigger in, uh, in, in Lent. And so both good, but certainly uh, that's a wonderful uh, experience. I have opportunity to help four or five parishes. Uh, I'm sure I'll have in the next few weeks and uh, just to see uh, you know sometimes two or three hundred oh yeah but of course over at uh, St. Clair in uh, in Roseville it's as more in the thousands than in the hundreds yeah you can't and you so, can't compare uh, anybody's numbers to St. Clair's <laughs> it's not no, fair <laughs> no uh, but just to see all these people come out and taking the time to come out on that Tuesday afternoon or evening or whatever it is and all these priests and so on and then the people are prepared to wait in line because if you're at the back of the church, you're going to be waiting for the next two hours. Yeah, yeah. Or more. And, and, and uh, what you, you were talking about multiple priests there. Hard and yeah. We try to move it along, but uh, still um, it's a beautiful thing and that they have that devotion and dedication and that they see the meaning of it. So that's a beautiful part of uh, uh, Lent now. Maybe at the beginning of Lent here, I don't know if uh, it's hard to do, but uh, if people could make a commitment to themselves to put on their calendar, or in this case, it's going to be March 30th, Saturday, Holy Saturday night. Mm -hmm. if, people, if a lot of people could go to the uh, Easter Vigil Mass, which, of course, is a Mass which is very long because uh, there's more readings and there's all the people being baptized or coming in and being confirmed and so on, so on. But if people could, and it wouldn't be any longer than if you go out to dinner or, or suddenly you could go to a show. Right. So if you go out to dinner at 6 o'clock uh, tomorrow night and go to a show, you're probably going to be out from 6 to 9 or maybe right. 10. Well, uh, this wouldn't be any longer than that, but it would be a better show than even seeing <laughs> uh, Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, uh, it doesn't uh, get any better than that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's right. <laughs> it, it's uh, it, it it's a beautiful mass, and and uh, to see people coming into the church too, and seeing, uh, you know, I, I, like you, I'm a cradle Catholic. I didn't have that experience of of converting. My mother did, um, and it 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 brings you to tears to see people coming into the church. It's it's just such so beautiful. And and yeah, yes, it's it, it's uh, you know it, it, it. I think it seems longer maybe because it it starts late, you know, and um, 
but it's a, it is it's well, a, it's a beautiful mass. And friends and uh, also many other churches. Uh, you know, we we Catholics sometimes can be a little bit uh, uh, weak in some ways. That uh, two or three hours in church for a lot of churches is not at all unusual. That's nothing. Yeah, exactly. And so for one night, uh, and of course it runs you a little bit late, but then you don't have to go to mass the next day because you already participated in the great vigil. And uh, you know, even priests, for instance, who uh, celebrate the Easter vigil maybe have to be up for a morning or yep. two or three masses a day. But uh, it's something I would just encourage our people, as you our listeners here, to maybe look at that Easter vigil and try to make that a special time to go to your parish and just see the lights and the singing of the exalted and, you know, the ringing of the bells is special and the Gloria. Now is the first time, you know, we're going to have for the next six weeks, we're going to have uh, all the Zoom, as it were, of, of Lent and the colors and you know, the purple and all that. And now then on Easter Saturday evening, you know, when you go in there, it's, holy. it's just, you know, the church is ablaze when the lights are all turned. You know, the blessing of the new fire mm-hmm. outside with the candles and it is you know just one beautiful thing after another and then the reading of Exodus and the reading of all the beautiful things there uh, I think it would be uh, almost like a Super Bowl of religion uh, that's uh, very well put very well put uh, so to have once people go to that I think it's even more beautiful than Christmas Eve Mass mm-hmm. than Midnight Mass mm-hmm. so that's Thing. Well, I hope everybody is having a wonderful experience of uh, uh, renewal on Ash Wednesday and uh, looking at, uh, you know, just uh, when the, uh, the priest, you know, uh, blesses the ashes. I think if people see that, um, uh, the meaning of it, you know, uh, oh God, who desires not the death of sinners, but their confession, conversion, and mercifully hear the prayers, and in your kindness be pleased to bless these ashes, which we intend to receive upon our heads, that we who acknowledge we are but ashes and shall return to dust, may through a steadfast observance of Lent gain pardon for sins and newness of life after the resurrection, the likeness of your risen Son. So isn't that a beautiful prayer that uh, you have already heard today, and many of you will hear depending on what time you go to Mass later today. But um, if one could really uh, take that and it's not just a ritual or an obligation or I've got my ashes uh, because it's some rule that you have to uh, do, but the meaning of it and then what your life is about. And it's good for us all, whether you're an old fellow like me or whether you're a young person, to realize that uh, we are only here on the vacation, as my father used to say, and that we have not city, as St. Paul says, and that we need to be uh, preparing ourselves for uh, heaven, and uh, that that's the whole goal of our life here, and that Lent then is a particularly good time of uh, looking at how we're doing. Uh, remember Mayor Koch in New York used to shout out the window, how am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> Well, you could ask yourself, how am I doing? And ask God maybe to show you during Lent uh, how you're doing and by prayer and penance and fasting and 
almsgiving and so on uh, become a maybe a very much a whole new person or at least a, a more deeper follower of Christ, a deeper disciple uh, in the next uh, several weeks and to use that this glorious time uh, for that. Father, you would know better than any. Uh, I've been told that Ash Wednesday, even though it's not a holy day of obligation, that it's one of the most attended, not comparing it to, to Sunday Mass or certainly to Christmas or Easter, but it's it's a heavily attended Mass for a weekday. Oh, yeah, I think it would compare with uh, Sunday and it would compare mm-hmm. with Easter. I mean, uh, there's uh, generally parishes have two or three Masses. And, uh, oh, yeah, indeed and they do, yeah. Other times when there's a deacon service or uh, independent of a Mass, a liturgy of the Word, uh, I think we have four or five uh, events at the cathedral, uh, and I'm sure other parishes too. So, uh, for instance, the uh, Spanish Mass this evening, I think it was at 7 at the cathedral, will be just out the door. Uh-huh. And uh, the, the noon Mass, you know, which we have every day, uh, will be, you know, that Mass I'm sure was, was, was very full. I didn't have that, but uh, I'm sure... Again, mightn't be out the door, but pretty close. Mm-hmm. And then there was an earlier one, and so on. And uh, so I would say yes. Uh, I mean, uh, and uh, let's say people come in in great distress. I mean, they just almost in tears. Uh, and if you were to tell them, which we wouldn't do, but if we were to tell them, well, sorry, all done for ashes for the oh, day. Yeah, your daily dollar short, Joe. I mean, they. I think they just. They just. To start crying because yeah. they have made this great effort to get. So you're right that uh, there will be more people at Mass uh, on, uh, on any weekday for sure, yeah. and maybe even come for over to Sunday and uh, just a beautiful thing. And so the thing now is for us all to try to help the people who come. Uh, there is a little bit of a worry sometimes, you know, that it becomes a sort of a an end in itself. Right. I have to get these ashes on my forehead or God is going to be angry with me or so on, so on, so on. Uh, but I think most of our people are smarter than that and they look into what the meaning of it is and hopefully in the little homilies we do and the readings, you know, that we have on Ash Wednesday are uh, so meaningful about uh, going into your room and praying and mm-hmm. so on mm-hmm. and, uh, that uh, the ashes is meant to bring you to your senses about the uh, fragility of life and shortness of it and that we need to be using the time wisely. So hopefully uh, that would be maybe a slap upside the head for some of us in that an awakening. Uh, what am I doing here, man? This is, uh, oh my gosh, uh, I've been, you know, running around doing this and the other and trying to make money and get ahead and so on, so on, so on, and thinking of myself and this is a whole different thing. Uh, I'm really uh, changed and renewed and challenged by this uh, this anxious uh, remember that you are dust and unto dust you shall return. Well, that doesn't matter whether you're King Charles or whether you're the Pope or the President of the United States or whoever it is, but remember that you are dust and unto dust you shall return. And that's a good advice because it's very easy for us to, not that we want to be morbid about death or anything like that, it's very easy for us to uh, ignore these things. And uh, after all, our 
as Monsignor Cavan used to say when somebody would die, he's in his own country now. <laughs> the country of heaven. So we want to get to that. I mean, the United States is a great country to live in, but it's, a short, it's only a short time stay here. The real country is with God in heaven. So I think ashes uh, brings us back to that and makes me think of uh, what's really meaningful and really valuable and what am I doing to get my act together with God and get to heaven? Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but the ashes are from the palms from the previous Palm Sunday. Is that right? Oh, indeed. We had a big announcement last Sunday from and the cathedral. Uh, Michael, uh, who takes care of our sacristan there, he wanted those ashes in and so they could burn them, or all those palms in so they could burn them and then turn them. Now you can order ashes from various entities who uh, provide them. But that's a lovely thing, and not every parish does it, but uh, but something's along the line, that's where they come from. But uh, it's a lovely thing when a parish itself, uh, and people bring them in with faith, and then they're transformed into uh, the ashes, and then a little water and so on added, and here they're placed on your forehead in the form of the cross, and uh, again, uh, I think the way that's done by the minister, you know, just carefully placing it on your forehead and placing, you know, remember, remember, Bob, that you are dust, and under dust you shall return. Repent and believe in the gospel. And if that those words really don't hit you hard, well, I don't know what's going on. Uh, but uh, getting the ashes on your forehead and looking at it, and uh, and then hearing those words, and again, I don't say in a morbid way or a a harsh way they're just it's renewal and repent so repent and believe in the gospel and uh, Pope John Paul used to speak always about that uh, he was in need of conversion and repentance and that was at the end of his life so I'm thinking mm-hmm. to myself if the Pope is in need of conversion and repentance <laughs> I think I need a lot more <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I, the, 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 all, of, all of the popes in my lifetime you, you think of them as as hum, very humble people, and you go, wait a minute, if, if if they're humble and in need, what about me? Yeah. 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 It's interesting that in uh, Rome and in many parts of the world, the ashes actually is not put on your forehead. It's sprinkled in your hair. Hmm. Yeah. And so you'll see that actually, if you see the Pope getting his ashes, you'll see the sprinkling of the ashes on him. Uh and that's all it too, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so that you really get the feeling that, you know, uh, remember that you are dust and unto dust you shall return. It's not just a nice little cutesy thing, but it's uh, a real challenge to the core of your being as to who you are and what God is calling you to, uh, uh, to change and become uh, something different uh, or something better, or something more like Christ. Do, do, do we know how far back uh, what, the origins of Ash Wednesday? I think it's uh, in the early centuries. Uh, I can't remember the exact uh, date now. I must re- now that you mentioned, I must study that a little bit. But uh, certainly goes way back and has a beautiful meaning for the church throughout the ages. Yeah. Wow. Well, Father Michael Kieran, so, always a, always a joy to talk. Anything you want to add that I didn't ask you about, in terms of Luke? no, I think it's uh, it's uh, a beautiful day, and 
as we saw in the first reading, it says that uh, even now, says the Lord, return to me with your whole heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. And uh, then, of course, and of course, in the uh, beautiful gospel, uh, Jesus uh, tells people to um, pray, uh, fast, and uh, so on. So that's what I would encourage our people uh, today. And I hope that this little sharing has been um, something of an encouragement uh, to you, uh, not just for today, uh, uh, but that every day now, the 40 days that lie before us. Uh, uh, and hopefully some bad things that you're, that you're doing, you know, uh, impatience or greed or uh, selfishness or whatever. And we all have our different sins. But hopefully we'll address some of those and that uh, by the end of uh, Easter, when we come into the four great days of the three great days of the Triduum, we'll be uh, ready for the resurrection of the Lord and the joy and beauty of the gospel. And that we'll be a little bit more Christ-like because of the Lenten experience. Amen. <clears throat> Father Karen, thanks so much. Uh, always always a joy to talk with you. I look forward to our paths crossing again very soon. Well, thank you, uh, Bob, and uh, God bless all of our listeners, and maybe I'll just finish up with a little prayer here. That'd be wonderful. Oh, God, who are moved by acts of humility and respond with forgiveness to works of penance, Lend your merciful ear to our prayers that as your servants are marked with the ashes on this Ash Wednesday, they may follow the Lenten observance and be worthy to come with minds made pure to celebrate the resurrection of your Son through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks, my, Father Michael Karen. Thanks for all you do, and uh, we'll look forward to talking with you again real soon. Praise God. Thank you. Praise God. Thanks so much. That's a uh, Father Michael Kiernan, and uh, what a what a great man he is here in the Diocese of Sacramento, native of Ireland, of course. Should remind you that uh, a, a wonderful workshop coming up, uh, a parish, parish uh, workshop at St. Joseph's in Vacaville uh, will be coming up this Friday and Saturday. And uh, the, the, the featured speaker will be Dr. John Bergsma, from, uh, uh, the, uh, who has taught at uh, uh, Steubenville, of course. And he will be providing, a, it's a two-day retreat. It's absolutely free, and it's not just for people in Vacaville or Fairfield or Dixon or Davis. Uh, it's anybody uh, around the diocese is invited to come free of charge. Uh, it begins on Friday evening at 6.30 p.m., it runs through about uh, a quarter to nine or so. And then uh, Saturday morning, uh, beginning with Holy Mass at 8.15 and runs to about uh, 12.30, Dr. Bergsma, will, who is a convert, will uh, talk about a, a variety of topics on the, on the two days. But it should be a, a very a wonderful retreat, a great way to, uh, to start your, uh, your Lenten journey on uh, Friday the 16th. Um, he will talk first about Mass and conversion and how he discovered the Eucharist and the Catholic Church. And you hear that very often from converts who say that it was the Eucharist that brought them over uh, to, to our faith. 
And then confession is spiritual warfare. He says, my Protestant journey to confession and its importance for Lent. And, of course, we, we have uh, so many uh, confession uh, uh, services during Lent as well as, uh, you know, in, in, in terms of individual confessions. Uh, those are always, always beautiful during Lent and, and so powerful, such a powerful sacrament. And then on Saturday, uh, Holy Mass starting at 8.15 a.m., and then uh, Dr. Bergsman will be talking about science and faith, how modern discoveries provide evidence of a supernatural mind. Uh, the, really, the, 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 you know, science and faith really go hand in hand. Uh, uh, if science is pursuing the truth and faith is pursuing the truth, they're going to meet. <laughs> um, can I be holy? A personal plan for Lent. And again, again, we are all called to holiness. And then God's plan for the family, family habits for happiness now and eternally. Should be a wonderful event at uh, St. Joseph's Parish on uh, Marshall Road in Vacaville uh, this Friday and Saturday, the fifteenth, the sixteenth, and seventeenth of February. They, they, you can go to the parish website and. Uh, uh, sign up. They just like like people to sign up uh, to know how many people are coming for refreshments and things like that. It's a very big church. There will be there will be uh, plenty of room for everyone. But um, and it is again, it's for everyone and it is free of charge. So that's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. We are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour, uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at the thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the, the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King 
Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in health care, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, you can give them a call, 916-851-2700. That's 916-851-2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of, ministry of Mi Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, they continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're, they're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive a generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley & Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley & Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. Four six zero zero, and we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, long-standing support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. Inside of me, I feel your spirit is moving. 